Welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high-achieving, goal-oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to a bonus podcast episode called Stop Numbing and Start Self-Loving. This was actually an interview that I was the interviewee on with my amazing colleague and friend, Elena Sanino. And for all of her information how you connect and follow the amazing Elena, please click through to the show notes. Thanks, Elena, for having me and enjoy the show. I am so, so delighted to have you here today, Angela, in the Live Your Sunrise Facebook group and to get everybody, uh, give everybody the opportunity to meet you and dive into some juicy, juicy topics that include numbing and self-love and everything in between. And you never know, maybe our grandmother's necklaces or magic. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my goodness, of course. So everybody, if you're watching, put comments in the question. Yeah, put que- comments in the questions. How's that for words? Put <laughs> questions in the comments. Put your reactions. Let this be a conversation. We have our hot cocoa, our tea. tea. What kind of tea are you drinking? This is um, a decaf black tea I think I so I'm in my new office and they have like a coffee machine that has hot water and they have a little tea selection so I'm enjoying a nice cup of decaffeinated black tea it's lovely I love this love All right. it, yeah. these this is a co-working space yes that you're yeah. in so there's like private offices lots of private offices and then like really big um open concept type co-working love it. things yeah I love it. So I see we have several friends joining us and I have two different screens going. So if you're here, say hello. And what I would love to do, Angela, is have you introduce yourself, but I'm going to first just share why I wanted you to come because Angela's awesome. It's just that simple. And I had the honor and delight to meet Angela formally, really, uh, this January. We are in this incredible squad uh, mastermind group, and we had crossed paths a little bit online before last year, towards the end of last year, and I knew immediately that this was a woman that I wanted to get to know because she's a rock star, and she's a rock star in her business and in the work that she does with women, and I'm going to invite her to explain that in a second, but also just in the way that she shows up so honestly and courageously and with so much uh, zeal (laughs) for life and just all the experiences that it brings. So thank you, thank you, thank you for coming to hang out with us a little bit today. Oh my gosh, Um, quite the introduction. Thank you. I'm going to start crying. (laughs) We just said you need tissue, so hold that (laughs) thought. Um, I'll grab them for you. Please introduce yourselves. Tell everybody what you do and what you're about. Yeah, so my name's Angela Masenik, and I'm a life coach. I help women stop over drinking. 
and that's what I do. So similar to Elena, um, you know, I do coaching. We get to the underlying issues to why you're drinking. I help you fix it. A lot of my work is um, directed to learning how to feel and process our emotions. I talk a lot about self-love and self-care, um, putting yourself first and your needs first. I think a lot of my clients and probably yours as well, like, as women, maybe a lot of them are mothers, um, professionals who put others' needs before their own for so many, so many, so many years. And then that catches up to us, right? And then we start buffering with things like food and alcohol or overspending or overworking even sometimes to compensate for that. So anyway, that's a little bit about me. I have a podcast. It's called Stop Over Drinking and Start Living. It's amazing. I get like 15,000 downloads a month on that thing. Um, I produce a new show every week. There's over 100 episodes. Highly recommend you all check that out. Yeah. And what I, and I would vouch for all of that and say, go do the thing and listen, because what I appreciate about how you show up is that you're just very real, right? There's no pretension and you have some very strong opinions and some reasons to back yourself up on those and you, right? And which I love, I mean, let's be passionate about what we believe and say what we're like, no tiptoeing around things. I'm, we don't have to tiptoe. <laughs> yeah, it's a tiptoe. Like I think as coaches too, like people hire us to help them do things differently. And we're not there to be their friends, even though I want to be friends with everybody and I love everybody so much. It's just kind of like, it's tough love. <laughs> Stop it. <Right>? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. On that note, <laughs> I mean, yes. So talk to me. I know you, a lot of the work that you do is based on this idea of numbing, right? Yeah. And that so much of the patterns that we create are rooted around the stomach. So explain, I would love for you to just share what does numb or numbing mean to you? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I think numbing means to me is when we use something like food or alcohol or online shopping or um, a lot of people like overclean or overwork, um, they're using something or doing something that's sort of outside of their own head and body to get rid of the feelings that they currently have um, or to amplify feelings that they want to have more of, right? So a lot of times people drink in social situations because they feel like it's more fun or they want to feel more celebratory. So they're trying to up-level those feel-good feelings. Um, and then oftentimes, too, we use alcohol or food or Facebook scrolling to escape those negative feelings that we have. So we don't like to be in those current feelings, so we use alcohol food to numb and sort of like cast us a, a blanket really over it's me because I tried my phone I was trying to look at comments and I didn't hadn't turned on the volume so yes <laughs> it's us on my phone how is that for me being technologically not savvy <laughs> I knew there were comments so let back to numbing <laughs> Can you see the comments now? I can now, yes. People are saying hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's basically what I think of numbing is like when we want to really most commonly, it's like we're bored at the end of the day or we had a long stressful day at work and then we come home from work and we like open that fridge, grab a glass of wine, eat some you know cheese and crackers while we're cooking dinner. We're kind of using it to numb the feelings that we've probably been carrying around with us all day long. 
Yeah. So did you once upon a time have a numbing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was a big time number <laughs> for my whole life. So, I mean, I had been overweight since I was a kid, been on every diet since you can. I mean, I started dieting when I was in eighth grade. So as you can imagine, um, I've tried it all. And, you know, I was always looking for solutions outside of me to help me fix it. This is going to be the answer. This is going to be the answer. Um, and then as I, you know, got older and of legal age and things, alcohol started coming in and, and on top of the food. So, um, yeah, I numbed for a long time. I didn't know that it was numbing then. Like, that's not the language that people that do this use. Like, that's mm -hmm. definitely like a coaching language. Um, I would just say stuff like, I have anxiety. I need wine. I can't handle this. It was a stressful day at work. Like, that's the language that I would use until I learned about this and studied it. Then I realized about human behavior and feelings. And when you do that, it's you're trying to escape and numb those feelings that you have. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting, right, to see where and how it shows up for yeah. people, because I think we do. We call it something else. You know, I often talk about numbing as being on that hamster wheel of the day to day and just being numb in our life uh, because we're so we're trying to fix all the things we're project managing our lives and everybody around them. Right. But there's this other side of it that I think they work together <laughs> in terms of seeking out these experiences that then dull our senses because everything else feels too much. Yes. Yes. And yeah. it's, and it's, it's like, real. It's a really good way to explain it. It's like during the day, and I'm working through this some of, of my own right now. I just moved into this brand new office. I'm in it, this shared environment, and I feel like now I'm working for somebody again, and I'm being watched, you know, like all like how, I don't know if you've ever worked in a corporate environment or anything like that, but it's like, ooh, where's she going? Why isn't she at her desk? And like all those judgments that I had about other people, and I know that we're having about me, now I'm in it again. I'm just like, oh, wow, this is fascinating. But in the past, this is the email that I sent out today just now. In the past, I wouldn't really recognize that those were the thoughts I had. I just felt on edge. I would feel on edge or judged. I'd be like, and I wouldn't really know how to describe it. I just know that I fell off, you know, and like, Piss that I didn't have my own space or something and then I would come home and drink to take that edge off right yeah. so but now that I know how that's created I pause and I recognize those feelings when they come in and I I work with them I understand why they're happening because I'm having these thoughts in my head and I take a moment to just recognize it and pause and process it and, and appreciate it for what it is and know that it's not really a problem I don't need to like hang on to it spin out in my head about it, make big stories about it, and then carry all that with me to the end of the day and then go raid the refrigerator when I get home. You know, yes. does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense completely. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the big stories, I don't know anything about the big stories we create in our head, says someone who tells herself big stories every day, right? Because we do. But I, I love what you're saying because it's not about not having those moments where right. life still happens we're still going to have them but about recognizing the pattern yes. and then saying hey i have a choice yes yeah mm -hmm. and just being aware just awareness right which is very much um a self-loving action to do is just like to be aware and to check in with your feelings throughout the day and like what am i thinking right now like when you notice like your shoulders are all hunched up and you're moving through your day like what is going on you know, yeah. what is like tune into your body, like check in with yourself. That's a very loving thing to do.
It is. And speaking of that, so would you share with us, how would you define self-love? What does that mean to you? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so I define self-love as being open and experiencing the whole rainbow of emotion in my life. So to me, self-love is acknowledging those feelings when they come in, processing them as they come through, um, managing my mind, creating the story that I want to tell versus the one that automatically pops in my brain, um, not numbing for sure, very top of the list. Like when these things come up and pop up, I'm open to feeling and experiencing the whole rainbow of it and not wanting to escape, not wanting to run away. Um, so that's how I define self-love. Does that? I love it. Oh, I, yes. So we just had self-love week here in the group last week and I had kind of four key components, right? One was listening. Uh, listening to your body, listening to your instinct, listening to your gut, listening to all the pieces, right? Which, yes, it's that awareness. And then offering, offering yourself compassion, because to me, it's not about pretending that you're not feeling a certain thing, but it's just giving yourself that kindness, that compassion, that allowing to be whole and who you are, your rainbow. <laughs> and then the valuing, right? What do you want to value? about yourself and then the embodiment piece in terms of how to choose that. So yes, I love that description. So, yeah. you know, I've heard you say that part of, you know, self-love for you is, is listening. What are your other kind of go-to self-love practices or the, when you recognize when you're in that place of self-love, how do you show that to yourself? Yeah. It's, it's so multifaceted. So some habits and some regular daily activities that I do is I journal every day. Um, I plan what I'm going to eat ahead of time because I know that <laughs> that's a very loving to myself and it's what I really want to have versus just letting myself make decisions in the moment because often those decisions aren't super loving. Like I'm going to go towards the bag of chips versus the side of vegetables. You know what I mean? And I myself really want to eat more vegetables. So I plan my food ahead of time. Yeah. Um, I do visualizations every day. I visualize myself in my future and like accomplishing my goals and like the fun of that and the feelings I get to experience. So those are like my self-love, self-care um, work that I do on a regular basis. I wake mm -hmm. up early in the morning. I give myself, that's very loving to me. I give myself 90 minutes of 100% alone time to do mm -hmm. that work, to set myself up for success. Um, and then I honor my commitment to myself as well. So like if I say I'm going to work out, if I say I'm going to, um, you know, do an exercise class or I'm going to go for a walk or whatever those kind of activities are, I follow through on that. Not 100% of the time, of course, because I'm fucking human, but like I would say like 80 to 90%, I'm following through on these things. I'm even when I don't want to, which is like part of that self-love too. Like sometimes self-love doesn't feel good. Right. It's just like having a boundary for yourself and then like doing it anyway, because in the moment, sometimes we don't want to. But the real you that decided that you wanted to did want to. So I try to honor that. I love this because, yes, right. We I think we sometimes coddle ourselves. Right. I do it, too. Right. Yeah. And we think that when you're talking about self-love and, you know, the idea of self-care, that it's always very nurturing, very gentle and all these things. And sometimes what we need is the accountability and the honesty to ourselves and be like, hey, and I love when you mentioned, you know, the commitment to yourself, honoring that commitment to yourself, because that to me is, is very much 
self-love saying, this is important to me. So do the thing that you said was important to you or decide that it's not important, but right. be honest with yourself about which it is. And then don't say, oh, I didn't have time for, or make excuses about, right? Yeah. Um, Cause I think we're good at that. Yeah, well, I think a lot of times too, it's like, oh, it's not, it doesn't feel right. Or my body is telling me not to do it. There are times when that is true. Like when I'm sick, I'm not gonna go push myself to go run five miles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is self-love, like listening, really tuning in. But most of the time, it's just thoughts and feelings that are like going on and you just don't feel (laughs) it because it's going to take some energy. And that's it, you know. So working through that, honoring those commitments. um, And then, yeah, the feelings thing comes into it. It's like just being willing to feel like shit when I feel like shit emotionally and to really enjoy my good feelings when I have them and pause and appreciate those as well. Oh, yes. I, my clients know uh, that I'm all about celebrating, right, our progress and how we feel. And that the, one of the ways to do that, especially because we're so good at noticing all the things that go wrong, is tracking it, right? Keeping track of the progress, keeping track of the good feelings. That's why in my Thrive Journal, you know, every single day is I'm delighted, you know, have I had it written in my um, what delight looks like because I think we need the reminders and to give ourselves that. Yeah. So yes. I have my clients write every day what three things they did well. Mm-hmm. Just so you can end on that. Like let's celebrate yeah. what went well instead of what didn't, you know? Right. Yeah. So we have a question from Kim in the group who says, so I have a question that may or may not have a simple answer. <laughs> love that. Uh, I feel like I love myself and I'm very in tune with my emotions, very self-aware and I manage my stress well. I exercise and I eat very healthy. I also really like the relaxed feeling I get when I drink wine at night and I typically can drink three to four glasses. So it doesn't feel like numbing, but it's a habit that I'd like to break. This is perfect for you. It's a habit I'd like to break because of the dehydration or just feeling blah the next day. So how do I stop this bad habit? Yes. So let me just talk about habits real quick because habits are actions. They're things that we do like on the regular basis. So it feels on like, like when you're saying Kim, that it feels like it's just a habit. Like this is automatic thing that I do. We don't really think about it too much. You're just like, Oh, I'm going to cook dinner. I'm going to pour a glass of wine. Right? So then we get into this habit of repeating that over and over again. However, habits are formed based on how we feel. So at some point, you noticed that wine or had an idea that wine would help you feel more relaxed than what you currently were feeling, right? So maybe you had a long stressful day or maybe something went wrong the day before or something like you, you trained your brain to cue up the wine that you, that will help you relax. Okay. So, um, you may not be able to recognize that today, but that was there for sure. So your feelings, definitely drove the act of you drinking. When people tell me that they use alcohol to relax, it's because they don't feel relaxed. (laughs) So like if you didn't drink the alcohol or the wine at the end of the day, what do you think, Kim, you would be feeling? Like I'm just, you can just answer and we can go from there. But if you were to just stop, like stop drinking the wine, you would be able to reveal that just for a day even. Or even if you just push it back by a couple hours, you'll be able to reveal sort of like what your emotional state is at that time of the day. It could just be restlessness. It could just be boredom, right? Or tired, (laughs) you know, exhausted, that type of stuff. So I would encourage you to uncover that by 
taking a break or just a day or pushing it back to a later time instead of your normally normal pattern so you can see that. Um, but the, the way to break that habit is by learning how to feel what is there when you're not drinking. So at first, you're going to have urges to drink because it is this established pattern. So you need to first learn how to feel those urges and process those urges. And then once you move through that, you need to really address the underlying reasons to why you're enjoying that buzzed feeling. Like it's helping you turn your brain off. And we like that. Like we don't, especially if you have a very complex life, if you're working, have kids, family, all the things, you know, there's a lot of moving parts up here in our head. And we like wine because it quiets all of that down. So you need to find tools that help you quiet that down instead of the alcohol. And that's where learning how to feel, process your emotions, help getting coaching, understanding what you're thinking there that keeps that brain alive and active um, will be super helpful. Does that, do you think yeah. that? Answer the oh, absolutely. And Kim responded, I think it depends on the day. I guess I would feel stress over my teen daughters. Yes. Yeah. Right. So definitely like, we don't like that feeling of stress that, right? <laughs> Teenage daughters in the house, like, of course. You know, so we, the brain is wired, like our, our operating system that all humans have is this motivational triad. So we're constantly, everything that we do all day has this basis. We're seeking pleasure, avoiding pain and saving energy. So when you feel stress, that's pain. That's like this emotional pain. And your brain is motivating you to get pleasure, to get out of that pain, to keep you alive, basically. So if you've introduced wine in that moment when you feel stress, then your brain's going to motivate you to go get that glass of wine again because it helped alleviate that feeling of the stress. It doesn't, though. Like the reality of what alcohol does, it just kind of puts a mask over it. The next day, you probably still feel stressed about something. <laughs> it doesn't help address the underlying issue. So what I recommend is you you probably already identified it. Learn how to feel and process that stress. Understand what's causing those thoughts that created the stress in the first place. Your, your daughters actually don't cause you stress. And I don't know how much you go into this, Elena, but it's your thoughts about your daughters that cause the stress. So that's what I would do. Some journaling would be a great place to start to uncover your thoughts about your daughters that are causing you the stress and just know that you can change your thoughts and start there and just be open to thinking about things differently that can bring your stress levels down. Yeah. And one of the things that comes to mind, Kim, and for everybody based on that, right, in terms of the journaling is perhaps in that exploration is to just pause and brain dump, yes. right? Get notice all the thoughts that are coming up. And maybe that's just a practice or something about just honoring naming. I love what you said, because it's, we get to name how we feel, right? And and how we feel is how we feel in a moment. And then we get to ask, hey, is this fact or is this fiction, right? And that's, and kind of play with the thoughts later, but just beginning to, I think, bring awareness to, oh, I'm feeling this way. And I love, you know, I think the body, and I, I think you feel this way too, Angela, is the body is like the ultimate lie detector test, right? Yeah. It It knows. And so we think we're stressed. And yet when we go into the body, there may be a sensation that's associated, you know, the stomach pain, or for me, it used to be um, kind of an acidy feeling in, you know, in the chest and going into my stomach, but just noticing what is the body actually saying? And that gives us information. Yeah. Yeah. Our feelings are meant to be felt They're there. I call them like little flags that go up. Like mm -hmm. if we're constantly numbing, 
right? Like going back to the original question, like if we're constantly numbing these feelings, we're missing important information that would help us actually solve the problem. So if there is something going on with your teenage daughters and we start drinking, we're not really addressing anything, right? It just like helps us escape in the moment, which doesn't really help any long-term problem, anything. Right. And Kim said, uh, she said, thank you. I do a lot of journaling, but in the morning, and it's like, I forget how I've identified my feelings at night. I think I'll try journaling at night too. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. What a good question. And just to hit the point, um, Angela, you know, you talk a lot in your group. It's really one of the foundational pieces that it's to stop over drinking, right? Because there's, I mean, there's this idea of you can, you can still enjoy what you want to enjoy, but it's knowing that difference between the numbing, what are you doing just to numb and, and what do you actually need? So do you want to hit on that for a second? Yeah, let's talk about that. So I recommend that you don't make decisions around alcohol or, you know, some of these enjoyable foods that we like, like cookies, chips, pizza, whatever those kind of things that you might tend to overeat, you don't make them in the moment you make them intentionally ahead of time as like your intention is I want to enjoy a glass of wine just for that reason alone. You're not using the wine to make yourself feel relaxed, to feel better, to turn off your brain, none of that. So when you do that, we don't make decisions to drink the same day. So I recommend minimum 24 hours in advance. It's planned out ahead of time. It's very intentional. And when it comes time to sit down and really enjoy your glass of wine, just stay present with it. You know, don't be scrolling on your phone and watching TV and like have all these other distractions. Just like be really present and aware about how it tastes, how it smells and really enjoy that experience for yourself when you have the wine. You absolutely can learn how to do that. But the first kind of hard commitment I would make is like stop using it as a tool (laughs) to like help you feel better or to amplify your feelings if you were going to a social situation or something like that. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting, right? I think a few years ago, I, you know, I'm Italian, I'm Jewish, we like our wine. (laughs) And yet I don't always love how it makes me feel. And I, you know, two glasses of night, no big deal, right? Three glasses of night, no big deal, except I started noticing. And it also, as I got a little bit more focused on my nutrition, I just noticed it was just getting in the way. And I then kind of made the choice. I was like, once a week, when we plan, you know, a certain specific dinner, let's pair the wine. Let me be intentional about it. And so I love, as you were saying, the 24 hours in advance, the thing to get, I was like, oh, it's like a date, right? It's just, you put it on your schedule and you're intentional about it. And I love, and that is the very opposite of numbing and is self-love to say, here's what I need, right? When you can get past that pattern of noticing what it's about um, and making that decision for yourself. So I love that reminder. Like the over drinking part, usually when you are making decisions to drink alcohol, like say it's, oh, I just feel it's been a long day. I just want to relax. And then you decide I need a glass of wine and then you go pour the wine. When you make decisions in real time like that with alcohol, you tend to over drink it because you're still trying to find something outside of yourself to help you feel better. And that's just not how it works. So like to feel better, you need to process your feelings and to work on your mind sometimes. Using alcohol to cover up your feelings doesn't work. So we need more of that thing that we're using outside of us to get to that desired effect. And so that's when we tend to drink those thirds and fourths and fifths sometimes because we're just kind of like catching, we're trying to catch up to get that desired numbing effect of shutting it all down. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Perfect sense. Oh my goodness. All right, friends, who else has questions? Let me ask you as we begin to wrap, um, 
you know, we've talked about some of your daily practices. Is there something that you've been playing with recently or that uh, has felt really important for as a gesture of, or a practice of self-love for yourself that maybe isn't what you needed six months ago? I'm a big believer in sometimes things with the seasons, with different stages in our life, things ebb and flow and we need different things. So is there anything that you've realized or kind of played with that you're like, ooh, this is really what I need as a self-love practice for myself? Yeah, so I'm, I've been tapping more into and exploring more like spirituality, which I don't even know what words to describe. I actually call it magic <laughs> because I spirituality has different meanings for different people. Um, but I've been playing more around with like journeying in my mind to my future, or to my past. Um, that feels really loving and interesting. It's adding a different dimension to my life that I really enjoy. Um, so I'm exploring that a little bit more. Uh, meditation, um, tarot card reading, that kind of like woo witchery stuff. But it's not like it when I when I do it on a regular basis, it actually just makes my life better and I get better results in anything that I'm working on. So um, it feels good to explore that. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. I, I love that. Well, so it's, I think, you know, but I have, you know, I, I always say I'm woo curious, meaning I, I know just enough, yes. but not like, you know, just enough to get myself into trouble. Yeah. Uh, but, and I've had, you know, Oracle cards and things that I've used for years. And just this last month or so, I've kind of recommitted to every morning. I ask the question of what do I need to know today? And I pull a card and, and I love it because it's a connection to self. It's a connection to something bigger, right? All of our our ancestors, our teachers, all the people. Yeah. And, but just this, and it's when you give yourself permission to receive any of those downloads, messages, I mean, you could be walking in the woods, right? And you see a bird and you just let it, you let it touch your heart yeah. and, and offer you a noticing that to me is, is this gift we give ourselves. And that is the ultimate in self-love. I love yeah. that. idea. It's like just living in the magic of being alive. You know, it's like the bird chirping. What is that bird trying to tell me? I wonder if it's trying to talk to me. Like I just, what are the trees saying to me as I walk through? Let me touch the tree and feel the energy from the tree. Like this sounds wild, right? But like when you start doing stuff like that, it just brings so much pleasure and joy to your life. And it's like, yeah, maybe I'm a little crazy. Who fucking cares? It's fun. <laughs> you know, it feels just like another dimension for me. Absolutely. I, this is one of the many reasons I adore you because yes, right. I, I love looking out. I mean, my daughter's called me like the crazy bird lady now uh, because I, we have a bird feeder and I just love, I mean, and my clients always know when I go like this, they're like, what bird just went by? <laughs> I'm like, it's a cardinal or it's a blue jay or it's a goldfinch or something. And it's just, cause it's always beautifully paced and we have a, or placed, we have, I have a butterfly bush planted under, um, underneath the windows, right, uh, outside my office. And so in the summer, right, it's really fun to just notice when the butterflies appear and, and just letting it happen, right. Instead of going in like a lot of force. Yeah, I think these little things, like these little things that we're describing may sound to normal people, like not impactful, 
right? But when you do these kind of things and tap into the spirit of the earth or the energy of the universe or nature or whatever it is, it brings you joy. It brings you happiness. It feels good. And when you do that throughout the day, you are less likely to want to numb at the end of the day and use things like food and alcohol to give yourself that hit of dopamine and pleasure that you're starved for. So highly recommend that you guys just find those little little tidbits or magic or whatever you want to think about it during the day as an act of self-love so that you get to feel good. Like when you feel good, you do good. So so true. I love that. And it's the very right noticing the birds or the colors or whatever it might be, or somebody's smile or a laugh. I mean, you know, if, if you're in the, it's so easy right now to complain about, you know, the kids and the, and all the things, but sometimes just that sound of laughter or that sound, it's, it's aliveness. Yeah. And that is the very opposite of being numb right. to me. Right. So just allowing for those moments to touch us. Yeah. Well, I, let me see if there were any other questions at this point, I'm sure people will have some, but how can people reach you, learn more, get in touch with you? Um, you can subscribe to my podcast, Stop Over Drinking and Start Living, and we can put the link in here in the comments if you want, but it's on iTunes or all the players. It's also on my website, AngelaMasenic.com. Um, if you go there, actually, you'll get a little opportunity to sign up with your email to get my top three most popular episodes emailed to you. Um, and then I'm on Facebook at Coach with Angela Masenic, and that's my Instagram as well. So Perfect. Yeah, we will definitely put the links in the comments and there in the event page where I will also put the video. So we'll make sure everybody has all the access to you because, friends, you need more Angela in your life. So <laughs> is there anything you want to leave everybody with in terms of a, a thought or a – do you want to tell people about your magic necklace? Sure. So this is a necklace that I had made um, – because it's my word of the year, first of all. And then this little diamond on the eye is made, is from my grandmother's uh, wedding ring that she left me. So she's in me. This is the woo that I'm talking about in me, uh, with me all the time. And I absolutely love it. And I feel like it's magical. It's magical. It is magical. Yep. The other and... thing I want to talk about is one more thing is self-love is not selfish. A lot of people think that it's like, oh, I'm going to focus on me and do all this work. When you feel good about you and your life, other people get to benefit that. You show up as a better person for your family, for your work, for everything. So it's actually, yes, it's self-serving, but it also helps all the people around you. So don't, if any of your people would consider that, I'm sure they're not if they're here in this group, but Oh, it's a reminder, I think, for all of us, right? And because, yes, you know, there's a lot of the women in the group that are moms, they work, they do different things. And so this question of, right, carving out time or doing these things, there's a lot of guilt around that. And there's this question of being selfish. So it's an excellent reminder. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If you are watching this later or think of questions later, please put your comments in. Um, Angela will, com will comment on them or I will send them to her and, sh and get her answers back to you. So just know, keep this conversation going. I'm so grateful that you spent this time with us, Angela. Thank you. Thank you. Thank so you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Elena. I've included how people can find you in the show notes. So link through, follow her, get on her email list. She has all the goodness all of the time. And for all of you, my amazing, loving, beautiful podcast listeners, I want you to pick one thing that you're going to do today that would be an act of self-love. 
Maybe that's doing a journal download. Maybe that's learning how to process your feelings. Maybe that's going for a nice long walk by yourself in the woods and listening to nature. You get to decide. Pick the one thing and go do it. Talk to you soon, my friends. Give me a